Do you know Thomas Jefferson received a 1,200 pound block of cheddar cheese for his presidential inauguration? That a 17th century pope spent $25,000 on sugar sculptures for a single banquet? Can you tell me exactly why was Marie Antoinette so hung up about cake? Medievalist and food historian Laura Carlson brings you The Feast, a podcast where meals make history. Let Laura take you on a culinary journey to the past. Find out how food and drink has changed the course of history from royal banquets to revolutionary lunch counters. What ancient and medieval foods are lurking in your kitchen cabinet? Discover the histories behind your favorite recipes from tofu to ketchup to beer. Join Laura Carlson on The Feast, brought to you by Podglomerate. Because food is just history on a plate. Dig in. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to a very special edition of the Show Mission. Two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Triple of Black Tribble's fame, and I am joined by my partner. Hey, hey, this is Vincent Williams of It's All Soul, Wednesdays 8 to 10 on GTownRadio.com. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, on this very special black, not black tribbles, on this very special Show yeah, Mission. It ain't that special. <laughs> we are giving you a bonus as we give you a review of Harlem Nights, starring Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor, Red Fox, Della Reese, Jasmine Guy, um, Michael Lerner, Danny Aiello, yeah. and in a very special cameo appearance, Arsenio Hall. Yes. Um in a film that was written and directed as well as produced. And produced. Don't leave the produced Don't out. Don't use the produced Don't out of it. Produced no, out. this is purely we we truly, gonna have to talk about that production credit. This is an Eddie Murphy production. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. In 1938, the Knights belonged to Harlem. The place to be was Club Sugar Ray's. The man to know was Quick. Now, when you see Quick, I suggest you guys make plans to go elsewhere. You, I ain't afraid of going up against Smalls or Calhoun. That's because you're young. <laughs> Come on! Full of vigor. I work for Mr. Calhoun. What kind of work do you do? Whatever's required. What would a woman that fine want in a big, fat, nasty, greasy, 12 sandwich eating? What does she want with it? Oh, she likes fat guys. Eddie Murphy, <laughs> Richard Pryor, Red Fox, Danny Aiello. It's nice to meet you. Michael Lerner, Della Reese, Jasmine Guy. I'd like to go upstairs. Arsenio Hall. Oh, quick as mine. <laughs> Gotta stop overreacting. Overreacted? Harlem Nights. I thought I was the only person who slept with his guns under the pillow. Look at her little gun. Harlem Nights, which takes place back in uh, 1938. Yes. Uh, Where Richard Pryor and his. I guess adopted his adopted son, adoptive him as his son. son, Quick, played by Eddie Murphy, are and Richard Pryor, who is Sugar Ray, own a a local night spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're into all of the the uh, you know the the underworld lifestyle of the day. Yes, the 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 gambling, gambling, the drinking, the drinking. The um, the prostitution, prostitution, um, which of course, being the black guys making significant money, has caught the the ear of the local, you know, let's say mob, yes, or mafia dons, and they want their cut, and 
and the movie takes off from there. Yes. Uh, this movie has kind of like the vibe of whether or not it wants to be a a historic gangster piece or maybe even have um, the vibe of the classic Robert Redford, Paul Newman movie, right, The Sting. Sting. Sure. Um, so... Plus, they try to throw in a little bit more romance than any of those type of films generally they throw in because you had Eddie Murphy at the height of his Eddie Murphiness. Right, right, right. Although not a whole lot of romance. Not a whole lot. I'm confused. Are we going right into it? Why not? I was about to say, so we'll play the trailer and then say welcome. And Yeah, okay. So here's a trailer. <laughs> here's a trailer. All right. For Harlem Nights. Boom. And we drop the trailer right here. Boom. And we're back from the trailer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Vince, what say you of Harlem Nights? You know, I think this is... I talk about my my Eddie Murphy, basically black films, if you will. Like the films that Eddie Murphy has made with a predominant or entirely black cast. Yeah. And, and we're talking about Boomerang, mm-hmm. which... Um, well, I guess we should start with coming... To America, which comes out a year before this, right, and then Boomerang comes out in '92, right. So this is right in the middle. And of those three films, which I again I group them together, this is the weakest, if you ask me. You, you know, I think um, I think Coming to America is actually a comedic masterpiece. Okay, I think Boomerang is very, 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 very good. Yes, and I think both of them are stronger than Harlem Nights, mainly because they are much more. Eddie Murphy as the leading man is much more generous mm-hmm. in, in both, both of those, those films, and I don't think it is a coincidence that of these three films. This is the one that Eddie Murphy directs. Mm-hmm. You know, Coming to America, of course, is John Landis. Boomerang is Reggie Hudlin. But this is all Eddie Murphy all, Eddie. all the time. He writes it. He produces it. He directs it. And and there is a level of vanity project sheen to this. Mm-hmm. Having said that, it, you know, and then there, there are also, you know, in my mind, very, you know, Within five, six years of this film coming out, I, I've always been uncomfortable with 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 the women in this film. Right. And and some of the, 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 the situations with women. And, you know, just to put it plainly, this is a film where Eddie Murphy's character, Quick, shoots two women in the same film. He sure does. Right. Having said all of that, I, I, I must admit when I watched it earlier this afternoon... It ages better than I thought it did, than I was expecting it to. Really? I think, I think you, you know, again, it, there's certainly a, a, a matter of Eddie Murphy is at his Eddie Murphy-ness. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, I was, it was funny, a couple of, of, of days ago I was listening to the Vampire in Brooklyn critique that we did. And something you said is that Eddie Murphy always has to make himself look cool and make himself you know be the baddest dude in there and i think this is a film where that is that eddie murphy's ego is fully on display yep eddie murphy won a razzie for his direction in this film did he really he did he actually won the razzie for the direction and i have to say that watching this film again i've always had in my mind that eddie murphy shouldn't direct eddie murphy you know again this was a vanity thing it was his ego but there are a fair number of solid scenes you think? in this film i do i, I do there are at least you know i think the um the scene that stuck with me because i always forget about there's a moment after they um destroy ray's nightclub Right. And it's just Richard Pryor by himself mm-hmm. for about two minutes. Right. I don't even know if it's two minutes. Not even. In, in, in just the, walking through the burnt Just house. walking out the blown out shell. And I thought that was a really nice moment. Okay. I think there's a scene between Richard Pryor and his and his lady 
where where you know there there's this banter between them. They're talking about the 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 tension that they're going through. She comes on to him, and and she you, you know it's it's actually a very sweet moment where mm-hmm. she says you know we should I, you know I want to make love all night. Now I want to make love all day tomorrow. Now I'll make love you know all day tomorrow afternoon. And he says, how about we make love? For 35 minutes, real, real hard, real hard, and then I fall into a deep coma-like sleep. <laughs> and then they say, "Well, let's just try and meet somewhere in the middle." Right. And I think that's actually a sweet scene. Okay. I think the way he, and you know, obviously I'm biased. I think the way he frames Jasmine Guy as sort of this throwback to the femme fatale mm-hmm. is fantastic. I think the camaraderie that you catch. Between these three generations of black comedians, Red Fox, Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, there are moments where Eddie Murphy's ego recedes, and they're just moments, but I think is I think there's something there. Okay. So, you know, it's funny in spots. You know, I think it's funny. It is funny in spots. It's funny in spots. But watching it again, yeah. I was amazed at how spare or how sparse those spots are uh-huh you know and one and how how early a lot of those spots are right you know so that you know there is definitely at least to me why in rewatching it mm-hmm. a lull in the middle where i'm like wow this is not a funny movie this is right. trying to be kind of serious or we're not even necessarily serious because like like the movie The Sting is certainly not a comedy. Right. But it's not a hard boiled drama either. No. You know, it's just a little bit of a romp. Right. Um and I think this movie tries to take on that tone for the most part. I think it fails because Eddie Murphy is not talented enough of a writer to give the script the right touch there's still a, it's this the script is very um it's it, it still feels very much like a 20th you know like 1992 or 91 whenever it was made right right in some in some of its language it, in, as opposed to this film being taking place in 1938 it also feels like a film that goes yeah, for 89. the yeah. goes for the cheap a little bit too quick in that there um you know the curse words are just flying yeah. and the curse words are flying for comedic effect as opposed to like maybe digging deeper right you know um th- there's a lot of first draft or ad-libbing that I feel from this script okay and which doesn't lend to giving it the air the story, the air that I think he's going for. Thus, in that mi- in that middle part where there's not a whole lot of set pieces, you know, of funniness happening, and it's basically people walking around dressed to the nines. Oh, you yeah, know, because it's the very money on the budget. Yes, it's this, a period piece, yeah, this and is you know, famously uh, one of these films, one of those budgets. Most definitely, and, and they look great. Mm-hmm. But I think the that budget could have been spent on maybe tightening up the script. Uh, giving the script an- another pass um and his direction to me comes off as very as, as it comes off as very pedestrian mm-hmm. but it should because this is his directorial debut i believe this is the only thing he's directed right yeah so it only so it makes sense that it's going to come off as pedestrian but I was amazed at how pedestrian it is, right. considering that he had just been with John Landis sure. on coming to America. Um, that I thought that some of the other scenes, uh, some of the scenes could have been just uh, uh, staged a little bit more artfully. Um, and I came away. I came away not as troubled with the with the um depiction of or or the women in this film as you mm-hmm. and, but i think that's probably because knowing where ed 
knowing where um, Eddie Murphy's head was at this time, right? It stands to reason that's him. Right. That's where his head is. No, no, that's no. That's what he's going to I be. completely agree with you. You know what but I mean? It, but that doesn't make it any less troubling to me. Like, okay, fair enough. Like, yeah. I think, the, you know, the Della Reese thing has actually bothered me for at least 15 years. What do you mean? Her character or how she's treated? How she's treated. Okay. Like, like she's very much so, and and you know, and to a certain extent, her character. Like, I think there is barely a throwaway effort made to to giving her some type of depth mm-hmm. beneath this kind of hard exterior, this hard crass exterior, right. exterior. But even that, I think, is just there for comedic purposes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But there's a zeal in a glee that Eddie Murphy seems to get from the scene where they fight mm-hmm. and he's punching her and he's hitting her with the trash can and then eventually he shoots her in the pinky toe and it just makes me it's it's just made me uncomfortable for about 15 years just because she was an older woman and and you know everything that we've talked about with Eddie Murphy and where his head is at that moment and Eddie Murphy oftentimes especially during this period frankly does not seem like a man that loves black women you're right because and and just to finish that thought today the jasmine god part like where, where he shoots dominique in the face right that bothered like like it just seemed like a lot well we think he shot her in the face we don't know that he, well, shot he murders her, her right maybe okay. he didn't shoot her in the face he right. shot her in the chest and when you do sort of the count of who dies in this film like you, you know it's like in how they die mm-hmm it's pretty it's a lot well the jasmine guy i think doesn't bother me so much because story-wise she is prepared to kill him yes absolutely so you could say it's tit for tat yeah in that the della reese thing i hear you because what i have always felt and i felt this from from the first time i saw the film is that this is where like you say he's not being generous eddie Generous Eddie can still have his glee in that moment, in, in in that scene, in their fighting scene, but lets her win. Right. Everybody's expecting her to win. Right. You know what I mean? But no, he still, ha- even though they pay lip service to her kicking his ass, because Red Fox says, like, you kicked her ass. He still comes out on top, right? Because he shot her in he the toe. He has to have the last word. He has to have the last that's word. That's true. And and that's and that's Eddie in almost every scene in this movie. He sometimes I think because of the reverence that he has for Richard Pryor. Yes. He and I think especially where Richard was at this moment as well. Mm-hmm. He's trying to make this as much of a vehicle for himself as also for Richard. Yeah. So he's purposefully gives some scenes over to Rich. Yeah. Um. But other than that, there are a whole lot of scenes where Eddie's got to have the last word, and e- even though they sometimes come off as very uh, amateurish or, or ad libs, that he's just throwing up in, you know, stealing, stealing. Um, you know, stealing, uh, pulling attention to himself in some scenes. Sure. Uh, and and that, considering that it, it's his name above the title, it's his name that, you know, he's writing the checks on this movie, that just really made this movie always feel a little icky to me. Yeah. You know, plus that he doesn't look like he's in the greatest shape in this movie. Right. He looks like he's a little doe-eyed. Maybe that's because he's tired because he's running, he's directing and starring sure. in it. But I also think that that's indicative of him um, not being as fully invested in it. You yeah. know, you just know, being a vanity project. It, it, it's funny, but but you know, as as I said, you know, uh, three years after this, he makes Boomerang, which we've talked about before, and I think that Boomerang is Eddie Murphy at his most generous. Yeah, it is, and it's like, he's a straight man in that movie. You, you for know, the most it's part. like I wish Boomerang's Eddie Murphy was in Harlem Nights. Right. And, you know, like you said, like that generosity. Because in this, in many ways, Richard Pryor 
is the straight man. Mm-hmm. And and you know you have these people, whether it's you know Eddie Murphy's sexy, hot-headed son, or or you know even um, Della Reese and Red Fox being sort of crass and over the top, and and channeling that old Chitlin circuit mm-hmm. energy. If Eddie Murphy would have allowed Richard Pryor that space, I think we would have gotten something much more interesting. I think we would have. I'm 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 hesitant to to co-sign on that because um, Richard is far from at the command of his powers in this movie. Well, that was the other thing. He's he's there. There are scenes where he's clearly sick. Yeah. Like he's clearly just sort of it, it is it's painful to watch it him in some it really of the is and as much as it, it's it's very touching the scene that he has with uh his his lady played by the eternally gorgeous Berlinda Talbert all right where where we know her from Lynn? Let me we know her from the Jeffersons yes we do because she was Jenny on the Jeffersons and she was always good looking on the Jeffersons I, was about to say, I used to call her fun ass Jenny. Yes, she was. Yes, she was. But she was never finer than what she was in Harlem Nights. Yeah. Lordy, 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 lordy. Harlem Nights, which for the record is like 15 years after the after Jeffersons. the Jeffersons, yeah. Yeah. mind you. Oh, yeah. Yes, because she's playing Richard Pryor's chick yeah. in this, the old dude's yeah. chick, and she looks like she could have. She looked like she could have been like Eddie's chick. Yeah. She, Quite a kept. If you had lined her up against Jasmine Guy, I mean, I would have went with Belinda. Hey, that's Hell, not a bad choice. I, I love dark meat, dog. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, that's Lord. how I roll. Yes, yes. But as sweet as that scene is, like you were talking about, it is a very uh, tender scene. I don't think it's as artfully shot as you say, but it's 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 a, it's, it's 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 not badly done. Mostly because Berlinda is a, a totally underutilized actress. She 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 well, works at. I think scene. that's the theme in this film. Very much yeah, so. We haven't talked about Layla Rashawn, but uh, right, but um, but it is painful to see him, Eddie, I mean Richard Pryor in that scene. He's sitting there in these these bathrobes, yeah, these, these pajamas that are his size, yet he's they're swallowing him, yeah. And it, so there's almost there's a there's a an I don't want to say ickiness, yeah. And he's sunken in the bed too, yeah. That's the other part. He so it looks- really he he's just almost feeble. Yeah, and it re- and that, and when you see him in the rest of the film, a lot of times he's giving you like you know like the same look, you know, the arts eyebrows. It's it's the softer side of Richard almost the entire movie. Yeah. You never see any, even when he tries to, you know, interject like we're going to pull the heist, and you find out you they introduce what is essentially their sting for the movie. You don't you don't see the intelligence behind his eyes to have pulled off anything. You're right. like, where, like, really? You put something together? I don't. Right. I don't see it. Maybe Red Fox, who, um, but I don't see it in what you're giving me, Rich. Right. The irony is that Red Fox has more energy than Richard Pryor in this film. Exactly. And in many, I mean, he's supposed to be the elder statesman. Right. Yeah. And, and he too is is a character. Is basically a caricature. It's no real true character. Yeah. There's no really. There's really no characters really in this movie except to a degree, at least in my opinion, and I forget the character's name, but the actor Michael Lerner who plays like the big mob Don. Yeah. He is is captivating in this movie. Well, another scene that I think is a good scene, the scene where he breaks his lieutenant's arm. His hand, yeah. His hand, and the way that it, the, the way the tension builds. Yeah, that's not bad. That's you know, not bad. That's, and I think you're absolutely right. I think Michael Lerner is great in here. Who I thought you were going to say, I like Danny Aiello in this movie. Danny Aiello is very good Danny, in this film. Like Danny Aiello, sort of this jovial cop, which you know, in a lot of ways, is the most dangerous cop. Mm-hmm. But there's this anger and rage, yep, right there. And I think Danny Aiello does it so well. Yeah. And um, but I agree with you. I I agree with you that that there aren't there isn't a lot of character work in right. this film, and I think a lot of it is Eddie Murphy is trying to channel what he remembers of these films, right? And you know, to his 
to his defense, a lot of these films, a lot of that characterization that we would talk about in modern times, a lot of it was just the charisma of the actors. Like, there doesn't have to be but so much on the page for Mm -hmm. Edward G. Robinson or Humphrey Bogart. Or Robert Shaw in the... In the um, in the Sting, or Robert Shaw in the Sting, or or you you know, well, I'm talking about like back in the 40s, okay, and 50s, the, the, the gangsters, like the right. actual gangster movies, you know, where it's not so much on the page, but there's so much charisma, there's so much intelligence, yeah, there, you know, there's yeah. so much depth to these actors mm-hmm. that they bring it across, yeah, and it's just not here with right. with, with these performances. And with these characters, which makes sense because he did cast outside of Della Reese, he did cast comedians. And then there's that, you know, so it's not like he, you know, went and got actors. We'll be right back after we step for these messages. Culture Kings is a podcast on the How Stuff Works Network, hosted by comedians Jackie's Neal and Edgar Montplacier. Every Wednesday and Friday, these two friends dive into topics ranging from sports, music, to movies, style. They wonder whether or not Donald Glover is a genius or a weirdo. They continuously decipher Kanye West's tweets and behavior. They also have recurring segments like Queen of the Week, The List, and Top Fives like Marvel Movies and Video Games. Listen to Culture Kings and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and find out the best way to eat a taco. Oh. What's the best way to eat a taco? That's with your hands? With your hands. Also, with salsa on top of everything to hold the ingredients down. It's like a layer. It's the layer. Right. So that the lettuce doesn't fall off. Can't have falling lettuce. Tommy, your boy Tommy's in here. Tommy from um, Martin. He is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. yeah Tommy Ford is pretty good. In he's here. pretty good at yeah. this. And um, and Arsenio Hall for what he's asked to do. You know what? I don't like Arsenio Hall's entire plot. I don't like it. Like like to me, that was. I mean, it's ten it, minutes. It's, that didn't even need to be in the film. I mean, it definitely is throwing his friend a bone. Right, right. Like I didn't like that. I didn't like the, this whole. I don't like the cheap. See, here's the, the thing. cheap laughs. Here's the thing about Eddie Murphy, and we've talked about this in Vampire in Brooklyn, and we talked about it. I feel like we talked about another film, but I can't think of right now. But oh no, we talked about it with Chris Rock mm-hmm. in Top Five. Okay. I think there's there's this this pull of the cheap laugh, right? That if you are directing and if you want this film to have a certain weight to it mm-hmm. you have to resist that call so you know whether it's it's arsenio hall is tommy's crying brother whether it's it's stan shaw you know we didn't mention the you know the great character actor stan shaw who plays the champ and it's this whole little ongoing joke about his stuttering right it's it like it's unnecessary it is unnecessary but what do i what i like is that outside of um, a little jab that Danny Aiello's character makes d- nobody for the most part nobody calls him on his stutter he has a stutter right he stutters nobody calls him on it but we as the audience it's there for us to laugh at I, I true but they don't point it out sure to laughing and, and, and that would have to me that would have been going for the cheap Right. Okay. You know, he's a guy that stutters. Guys, there are people that stutter. But so it's I, very funny how he stutters, and somebody's gonna get knocked the, the the fuck out. It is. It is funny. You know. So it was a bit much. Again, Eddie Murphy has this aspirate. It's so funny. You know, everyone talks about the Sting, and you know, the, you know, this film is sort of trying to position itself. As sort of the sting, and the irony is, the sting has more buoyancy. It does, and and it's one of my of, favorite movies, and sort of humor. 
yes than this does without being a comedy without being a comedy and i think you really do have eddie murphy just in a lot of first time directors you know where i'm i'm going to direct yeah and this is i'm a director and then you you couple that with i'm eddie murphy the megastar who's producing it so i'm going to be the coolest dude in here yeah and and it it it, it just drags. Like the, the other thing about the reason why the, the sting also does have buoyancy is because the whole thing about the sting and they set it up. They set up the stakes very well in the sting early on in the film. Mm-hmm. And then what they do is they bring you along on the sting. You see the creation of the sting. Right. They leave out certain, you know, uh, plot points, you know, even though they hint to them, so that you can be, you know, properly surprised at the end, right? You know, so you know, so you're like, oh my god, oh right, right, right. right. But they don't leave the whole sting off the map. You can follow it along, so then you're just you're enjoying that ride. You're right. enjoying, you know, knowing some things that certain characters don't know, and not knowing everything that all of the character that certain characters know. In this film. The whole sting is all in the mind of Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy. Right. They don't let you on until it happens. And then when it does happen, some things make no sense. Right. Like, you know, two of the guys, they go to the Mafia Don spot and they blow that up. Why? Right. It, I, it Just revenge for his blowing up Ray's place. But I thought it was done. If I remember, it was done before Ray's place got blown no, up. No, no, no. It's after Ray's place gets blown was up. Was it? It I, is. I thought it was no, before. It's, no, it's after. And part of the reason that you're not sure is because they never make that connection. Well, okay, they don't. Right. They, they don't. never say, you know, this is for Ray's place. And they don't play well with the time. Time, no. you, 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 it's hard to track the change of days and things of that in this film. Yeah. For me. Um, it's so. It, again, these are the the faults of a first time screenwriter, of a of a novice screenwriter. Right. That at this stage of Eddie Murphy's career, you can't give him a pass on because you know to bring somebody on. You well, know writers. To- well, I th- I think the problem with Eddie Murphy megastar at this point is that. A, he wasn't going to direct a small film. Yeah, yeah. B, he wasn't going to direct a film that he wasn't in. Mm-hmm. And I think either one of those would have helped. Either either scaling it back. Either scale it back or just... Taking a lesser role. You're just not in it. Right, right. You take a small role. You, you know, like you basically play Uncle... Like you play Arsenio's part. Mm-hmm. Like you play Arsenio's part. Yeah. You know, film your two, three scenes get out the way and then just direct the thing speaking of the sting un, underutilized or, or the sting in this film and the underutilized actors Layla Rashawn I like Layla Rashawn and I don't think Layla Rashawn has ever gotten the opportunity to really be funny like you know I think you see these sparks every now and then in this there's the you know obviously she's in boomerang for a second and then you know she's isn't she in Waiting to Exhale? She's in Waiting to Exhale, and I actually like her in Waiting to Exhale. One and of the better things in that movie. Right, exactly. But like many of the women in this film, like, you know, you just mentioned... Um, Berlinda Talbert. I'm sorry? Berlinda Talbert. Berlinda Tomlin, completely underutilized. Yeah. And and it's it's a shame. It's a shame because, you know, a man of Eddie Murphy's talent and caliber and reputation at this point could pull all these people in mm-hmm. and then they don't really get a chance to shine you, even though you could say in his defense that he maybe makes up for that with boomerang and that both robin givens and Holly berry are given as much agency as they are in that film and to um not to chino arnold um who's great in boomerang though no no but my 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 girl um, Robin Givens. No, 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 no. Oh, God, I'm drawing a blank. I thought Tachina Arnold. It's not Tachina Arnold. Oh, oh, yeah, I'm saying Tachina Arnold. You mean, um... See, now we think it's Tachina Arnold. Just, now I've got Tachina Arnold. Arnold in my head, head and I can't pull... And I, and I see her in my head. 
And now I'm calling her Gina, but her name isn't Gina. That's her character's name. I know. Or Martin. I know. Hold on, real quick. Uh, 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 oh, she's talking. Ariel. And we're here at Amalgam Comics. That's where we're recording, ladies and gentlemen. Ariel Johnson. Ariel Johnson, can you come to the set of the Michelle mission? Ariel Johnson, can you come to the set of the Michelle mission? Uh, the, the, the TV show Martin with uh, Martin Lawrence. Who is the woman that plays his wife? Tisha Campbell. Tisha Campbell. Tisha Campbell. There you go. Thank you, Ariel Johnson of Amalgam Comics and Coffee House. Thank you. <laughs> they give Tisha, he gives Tisha Campbell yeah. the shine in yes, Boomerang. So he kind of makes up for it in Boomerang. Yeah. Well, you know, I certainly, again, I, I think that comedic moment brought to you by Amalgam Comics and Coffee House, <laughs> 2578 Frankfurt <laughs> Avenue. Now we have met our uh, contractual <laughs> obligation to mention this store in every show. <laughs> right. Go ahead. Maybe I will release my family. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I think certainly the Eddie Murphy of Boomerang is a different Eddie Murphy right. than Harlem Nights. And maybe a hum- maybe humbled by maybe humbled this by Harlem. film well, because this what? film was not a hit. Just maybe getting a little older. Okay, a little like older, maybe, wiser. Like, like, like you know, you we, we talked about this with John Landis and and the issues that that he had on the set with John Landis, and certainly this you know the Beverly Hills Cop sequel mm-hmm. time. Like we really are hitting the nadir of Eddie Murphy as the the mega rock star in this, and he starts to climb out of that. Right. So right. you know, I'm going to give the man the benefit of the doubt and say that Boomerang, you start to see. The ascension of of mature Eddie Murphy. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Is there anything we want to see say, especially considering that not long ago we reviewed Which Way Is Up? Yeah. Um, where Richard Pryor is at this point in his career? I mean, because this, this marks kind of like the I mean the this, beginning of the descent. Yeah. This is this is the end. I I don't know if this is his last film. But certainly he's... It's not his last one. I know it's not his last one, but it's got to be his last five. One of his last five. Like, he couldn't have made five films after this. No, and I, and I would... I'm pretty sure this film is probably the last film where he even looks remotely healthy. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, certainly it is the last film, you know, as everyone knows, of... um. Red Fox, which we should probably talk about Red Fox a, a little bit more in this film and um, his contributions and, and what happened after that. This is me talking. I'm actually doing the stuff now where I'm talking, trying to kill Tom as I scroll through, Richard. trying to find exactly where he is in 92, where no 89 Harlem Nights. So. Look, talking about Richard Pryor. Here. Talking about Richard Pryor. Uh, you know what? Another you is in '91. After Ooh, a, after yeah. this, and that's another you. That's is that him and Gene Wilder that's again? Him and, and Gene Wilder. And he's again, really bad in that. He's. I think another you is his last film yeah i mean he that's doesn't, his last film i mean he doesn't die he doesn't die life, but this is his last film so so yeah this is this is the end this is the end i was i thought maybe um moving was after this but no, no moving, moving was before yeah moving is is a couple of years before that so so yeah in a lot of ways this is the you know this this is it and and you can see it yeah you you can see it and I do think if there are generous moments, it is, as you said, Eddie Murphy defers to Richard Pryor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like there's a beautiful moment where Eddie Murphy is talking about going out with Dominique. And, and he says, and, and, and Red Fox's character says, you know, what kind of name is that? And he says, oh, well, she's Creole. And Richard Pryor and Red Fox have this back and forth about voodoo and roots right and there's like if you look very closely you can see eddie murphy just sort of reveling yeah just sitting back taking it in to go back and forth and it's a beautiful little moment mm-hmm. that you know unfortunately is not a long moment and no, you don't see more of it i think very smartly 
the grouping of Red Fox and Della Reese together, their characters. Yeah. And the way they bounce back and forth off of each other. Obviously, it's drawing some of that great energy that Red Fox used on Sanford and Son mm-hmm. with Luanda Page as mm-hmm. on Esther. But it's still there, you know, so much so that they ended up having a television show. Yeah. After, like, this is actually what led to the Royals. The Royal. The right. Royal. Yeah, the Royal family. And, and, you know, I think Richard Pryor has this great camaraderie with Della Reese. You, you know, they're longtime friends at this point, And that's there. So I like that. Yeah, I do. I um, actually like Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy together. Like, like the scenes where it's just the two of them. See, I, I, I don't because... I'm not liking Richard in those scenes. I'm I'm, I'm not liking it's, it's Richard. It's really just scene. the Richard Pryor. Just yeah. I mean, that, look, it's, it's just, he, he just because he is so looks so weak in this film to right. me in almost every scene that when he is with Eddie and Eddie is just Eddie is just you know on his like. I've got to give you my chocolate sexy or the whole movie. Right. That it's just a weird balance in those scenes. I just don't I just don't feel it. I really I I, I like Richard with, with Red because there's there's right. there's friendship, there's kinship there. With him and, and Della, there is just there's there's joy that you could tell that's years and years of them just sitting around each other's houses sure busting it up, you know? Um even in the even in the opening scene, the opening scene which takes place twenty years before the heart of the movie, right? Where it's like the back room of this, of this like pool hall or whatever. Um, th- the energy in there is a little bit more buoyant and and authentic, you know. I think I just like Richard Pryor as the father. I like Richard Pryor as the father, and and I will grant you that some of it may just be my affection for Richard Pryor, for Richard Pryor, and my affection for Eddie Murphy deferring to Richard Pryor. Right. Okay. And fair and, I, and and certainly I bring that to it. So mm-hmm. so you know I'm not going to push back that hard about another reading of right. those two together. But but you know I'm just thinking about moments mm-hmm. and relationships that you know actually like the scenes and and you'll notice a pattern with the scenes that I like the most. It always goes back to Richard Pryor. Mm-hmm. Because even though he is weak and even though he is in bad health, I do think that humanity that we were, you know, talking about a few weeks ago in which way is up. I think one of the side effects of Richard Pryor being at this point in his life with his health is that he's gone through that manic 80s phase, Richard okay, Pryor. right. And, and, you know, it's all in his eyes. I mean, at, at this point, it basically has to be in his yeah, eyes. Yeah, because he doesn't have the energy for anything else. But he has the eyes. Right. So, you know, there are moments between his character and Danny Aiello that I really like. And, you know, back to Danny Aiello having this barely suppressed rage mm-hmm. at these black men and the two of them you know the energy they have with each other but you know the crazy thing is i feel like we've spent the vast majority of this episode being very critical of this movie i still enjoy it though like i don't enjoy it you know again as much as as boomerang i don't enjoy it as much as coming to america but I, I enjoy it, and more importantly, I enjoyed it more than I planned on enjoying it. Okay. Like, I really did think that this was a movie that, under kind of focused scrutiny, I thought was going to fall apart for me. Okay. And more scenes were there that I, like, like, like it got to the point where I was keeping count, and there are five actual scenes that I said... I like th- like this is a solid scene. I don't think he's a good director. Obviously, he's a, a, a young director, but these scenes work almost in spite of his direction. Okay. And you know, of those scenes, Richard Pryor is in four of them. I think. Okay. You know, like I said, I, like I actually I I like the scene with Dominique in her bedroom, like that whole little sequence. I like the way he frames her as a, you know, this throwback to the femme fatale. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I don't, yeah. I think that is a movie that 
I like in spite of in spite of myself because I know I shouldn't like it. Okay. But the reason why I know that I I will still say I like this movie is because I know if I'm sitting if I'm sitting in a theater with people watching this film, I'm having a good time. Yeah. You know. So so I mean because I can watch a movie in a theater in a theater full of people loving it and be like I don't know what y'all looking at yes. I don't like it I could watch this film and there still is enough up on the screen that I'll laugh away with you and be like okay you know it was good enough good enough dumb little popcorn movie I'm not going to think but so hard about it right. you know does it age super well probably not are there problematic parts of this movie yeah if this is where eddie murphy's filmography and end, ended that right. would be a, a bad thing right um but you but you still have boomerang coming mm-hmm. um so it is it, it is what it is um right. or life think about how generous he is in life I mean, true. of course by the time he gets to life he's actually yeah he's on know, he's on the other side mature eddie murphy yeah most definitely um so I, I like it in spite of itself. It's not a, it's, it's not a bad film. It's it's, it's it certainly should be a crowd pleaser. You know? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And in there, memorable parts. You know, I just mentioned you know Stan Shaw and his stutter, and I'm, somebody's gonna get in the knock the you know the f out. And, mm-hmm. and and you know as much as it, I'm I'm like I feel icky about the pinky toe scene. You can't deny it's funny. It's funny. Like it's actually. funny funny and but it's funny because of Della Reese it's oh. it's funny because of Della <laughs> what now I got to cut you I actually threatened to cut somebody at least once a month and I say that <laughs> oh now I got to cut you Mm-mm-mm. I don't actually cut anybody but I threaten to cut them sometimes that's all you need in my Della Reese voice that would be exactly all you right. need. Oh. Vince in a Della Reese voice is enough to make me back out. You wanna fill in the blank, whatever it is that upset me. <laughs> now I got to cut you. So I think we would recommend people see this film. I think so. I think you. I, I think I do recommend <clears throat> it. You, you know, again, I I, I do. It, I'm uncomfortable with some of the violence. Mm-hmm. towards them you know it's 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 interesting like watching it post black panther yeah and you know a lot you, you know 90 percent of the conversations that i've had with people like with the, sort of the pro killmonger camp like the foundation of my killmonger critique is this pattern of violence right towards women and i think you can make that argument to a certain extent with quick whether or not the plot the, the plot um kind of says that this is necessary or not the fact that it's there the fact that you know there are only like four female characters in here and you know two of them get shot by the same character and you know the other one is a prostitute that that they basically pimp out that they pimp out and and they literally objectify yeah talk about you know they call her sunshine (laughs) because of you know but i do like it I mean, I can't. I mean, it. It. it there. It, it, I, I think, like I said, I think it is much more solid than I expected it to be. Right. Like I went into a ray to write my notes about how it falls apart, and it didn't. Right. So. All right. All right. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. That is our review of Harlem Nights. We hope you will appreciate this bonus episode. Bonus episode that we are making approximately a half hour before our, our showing before we screen before we screen harlem night harlem night so um i guess on on uh, on our review of irobot at the top of that well we can report back how the audience we can felt. report back how the audience i mean you know i i left a little early it seemed like you know because earlier we showed the whiz. the whiz and how did that look fantastic man we had a we, we had, had a, a bunch a of kids house. yeah we had a packed house and they sat I, I lie to you not in rapt attention watching the whiz i mean like we had talked about it before the turning on the film like you know are they going to sing along like yeah we're going to sing along the whole night they just sat there and watched the film 
they they and they sat some of them hum, hummed along to the music but for the most part they were just taking it all in man because i think that as many of them had who have seen the wiz there there were a fair amount of people who hadn't seen the wiz or uh, maybe see bits of right, the wiz right, you know what i mean pieces. you never sure. see the whole thing sure or have heard of the wiz right so now you have the whole thing right there in front of you and some of their parents who have seen the wiz it probably fair to say been years since they had seen it right so they're revisiting the wiz um and people just sat in rapt attention like checking it out they really enjoyed it so yeah. it's really and it's a good show about a communal viewing exactly so yeah so it's really dope so hopefully we'll have that going on tonight here at malcolm after hours yes for harlem nights yes you know which is um the second Eddie Murphy movie we're doing here, because we, we did Vampire in Brooklyn here. We sure did do Vampire in Brooklyn. Something about Eddie and Murphy and I'm out. we actually completed the three Eddie Mur- my, my three black Eddie Murphy movies. We, you and I, like we have three Michaud. So you know, if you if you want to sort of compare and contrast our our viewing of this, go listen to the Boomerang episode. Yeah. Go listen, go listen to Coming to America. We actually did Coming to America with Simone Missick. Right. Right. We did Boomerang with um. With a guest as well. I think that was with Charmel. Was that with Was that with Charmel? I think that was with Charmel. Okay, yeah. So there you go. There you go. So now, so do we have to do? So this is the first Eddie Murphy movie. This is we the first. Did? Just me. This and is you. the first one. It's just me and you. So we had to get away from the, from the women. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you know that you know Vince that somebody came at my neck because we dared to review Attack the Block without her. I did hear that. I did hear that. I pointed out that that wasn't my decision. Well, first of all, I cut you loose. Yeah, I see. Yeah, it threw me directly under the red bus. I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you. And then I (laughs) knock you down. I didn't know that this person liked Attack the Block. Right. I had no way of knowing that. Well, well, now you know. Now we know. Now we know. Well, you know. Hopefully we did it justice. (laughs) She'll let us know if we didn't. Trust me. Yeah. Trust me. Should be all up in our necks. <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get out of here. Uh, as always, the show is available on MichelleMission.com as well as on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, any place and every place a good podcast be, including the Podglomerate Podcast Network. Yeah. And streaming live and direct on WPPMLP 106.5 FM, Philly Cam, People Powered Media Radio here in Philly and Camden on Saturdays at 1 p.m. He's Vince. I'm Len. In parting, we say we'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu, it's been a pleasure knowing you, I'll see you when it's time to meet again.